I refuse as I age to deny my years. When the question was asked at 33, I was 33. When the question came up at 43, I was content to be 43. And now that I'm nearly 63, well, at least there's still Medicare. (laughs) And who cares anyway? But what year could I possibly subtract? The years in which my daughters were born? Hmm. Or the year I first fell in love? How about one of the less favorable years when several friends and I were hitchhiking through California at night and a troubled man picked us up and then dropped us off on a dark, long road in the middle of the Mojave Desert at 2 o'clock in the morning? Or one of those grief-filled years when I was six and I didn't have the understanding or the skills to know that my father was dying and saying goodbye to me forever. Maybe it was a seemingly insignificant year, or maybe it is, the year I saw the shooting star, or the one I spent enchanted with life. No, not enchanted. Maybe the one when I was just content. Man, I think I'll keep them all. The good years, the bad, and even the not-so-memorable. To deny one would have to deny myself, because add it up. They are my life. None of us can live forever, but our stories can. Our life story is our constant companion, the litany that guides our every move and thought. So we need to make of our lives a story we can live with, because we live the life our story makes possible. Our story is what we turn to when things get rocky or when we're challenged to make sense of who we are, what has happened, what's been done to us, what we've lost and loved and hoped for, where we're going, and when our ethical orientation has changed, maybe imperceptibly, but definitely irrevocably. So how do we tell your story? Which stories do you recall time and again, as Amanda asked, and how do they inform your past and impact your present and future? In looking back over our lives, we ask, what is my defining story? What is the story we use to restore to us our sense of purpose and worth and make our lives worth living? And is it a story that brings hope and peace to our hearts? Or is it a story which reopens wounds, which brings pain? What is your defining story? Do you recall a time when you stood up to someone and therefore defined your life as one of courage and strength and integrity? Do you recall reaching out to a friend or stranger in need and tell that story to make kindness and compassion a story that brings meaning to your life? Or is your story one that recalls brokenness, failure, a story that brings you despair or hopelessness? 
If you remember the worst, it destroys your capacity to do something. And we've all known people who seem to be unhappily attached to stories of misery and loss, returning to those stories again and again. But if we hold on instead to those times, and there are so many, where people have behaved compassionately, with integrity, magnificently, this gives us the energy to act, to spin our world in a different direction. I think of a person who has lost someone he loved very much. The death is still new. He's in that brittle, brittle, breakable state, moving through the routines of his day and his job, near exhausted, crying a lot. He's eager for this part to be over, longing to feel better. But he wouldn't trade this grief, nor rush it, nor skip over it, nor fast forward to some more bearable, less acute sadness, less acute attentiveness. He's closer to the openness of his heart than he has ever been before, nor likely will be again for a long while, until some other great grief or some unspeakable happiness brushes his life. None of us can live forever, but our stories can. story when moments when our eyes are opened, our hearts, our minds, of those who spoke or didn't speak on a given day and how that made a difference, of how one day we happened to see or hear something particularly beautiful or particularly terrible, particularly just or unjust heartbreaking or heart-lifting. And whatever it was, we took it on. We took it on and incorporated it. In the comedy Click, how many of you all saw that show? It was like maybe eight years ago, something like that. Well, you're probably lucky because it wasn't really great. But Adam Sandler plays Michael, an overworked architect. And while shopping at Bed Bath & Beyond, he's given a universal remote control by a mysterious clerk. Michael is easily pushed around by his overbearing boss and on numerous occasions willingly sacrifices time with his family to work so he can give them the kinds of possessions he never had. And with this remote control, he could pause or fast-forward, or rewind his life. Now, of course, this is a great thing, right? It was very helpful to him when his wife asked one day what song was playing on the jukebox when they first kissed. He kind of just rewired her and remembered, and she was thrilled. He could even remember what she was wearing. Wow. Or the remote control could even pause action in his boss's office so that he could slap his boss when he was particularly infuriating. He could even change the tint of his own skin like you can do on a television set, make it redder or greener or brighter. And it was great fun. 
Until things went south, as it often happens in these kind of movies, and the universal remote just kind of went berserk and started fast-forwarding on its own. His sweet little daughter becomes a petulant teenager, and he wonders, what else have I missed? What else of my life have I missed? I wonder what it would be like to have that remote control, to be able to fast forward, to see how a relationship would turn out. Like, should I waste my money on this Valentine's gift or wait? (laughs) Or maybe rewind to when my father died and I could say goodbye. Or maybe bask in my glory days of true bliss in the 1960s, stupid though those days may have been. (laughs) Or return again and again to my daughter's first steps or words. But what would I do with such a remote control? What would you do? Or the awkward times, the difficult times, or those birthdays, just rewind past them. It doesn't mean we want to necessarily avoid those dates, those birthdays that come faster and faster, but just hit rewind. Stop the aging process. And certainly there's a growing industry around that with Botox and Viagra and liposuction and tummy tucks and hair restoration products. Full disclosure. I get my hair highlighted twice a year. Not because it's going gray, but it is. But because it's kind of a nondescript color, and I use Olay Regenerist every night. <laughs> but I use those, see, those things as an unapologetic 63-year-old. A friend of mine posted on Facebook recently that she was through doing things to her body out of fear of what others would think or to please someone else. Yay! She said she's going to cut off all her hair and let the rest of her body hair grow. And I say, rock on. <laughs> it's not, yeah, yay. It's not what you do, but if it makes you feel empowered in your own body and that it's for you to feel your own sense of agency in your own body, then it's really fine. But the reality is that if you turn back the clock in one year, you would have to turn other years back. What would you be willing to give up to reclaim an earlier age? What stories woven through the fabric of your life would you be willing to unravel? So think back. Unexpected gifts of kindness and care I received, lessons I've learned. And if you're like me, you've had some years when everything seemed to be a struggle. Nothing was going right, and you seemed to be stuck in some kind of cul-de-sac, going round and round and round and round. And yet when I look back at those times, that is when I learned hope, to be determined, optimistic, dependable, to let go. Full disclosure again. I would like to say I lived every day of every year of my 63 years a lot. But the truth is, I haven't. 
I sleep walked a lot. I lived in a numbing haze of denial throughout my childhood and turned away from life sometimes. I found things to occupy my brain and my heart so I wouldn't have to deal with the crushing reality. I should have lived all those years, but I didn't. Who knows how many years in total? And it didn't make me any younger. It didn't make me stronger. To try to avoid those difficult times of difficult stories, it only created hollows in my heart where rich experience could have been. Maybe you know what that feels like. And yet we continue on. We grow, we change, we fall down and get up and celebrate our days with whatever dignity and laughter and tears we can muster. It's why it is so important to be in a community such as ours, because there are so many who have gone before us, because they show us how to live. Their lives have painted for us a picture of value and depth. They show us how to get back up when we're hurting. In our first Fridays group, a group that meets every Friday for people who have daytime hours, and it really does include a lot of retirees, you'll hear of people in their 70s writing a book for the first time, or in their 80s having wild adventures. People living with bouts of depression who talk about it openly with one another. Another who worries that she is in early stages of Alzheimer's. Or in our private conversations with people dear to our hearts with whom we've woven the threads of trust. Recalling memories, telling our truth. Or in deepening circles where people share times when they have taken sharp turns in their life and taken huge risks to be who they more fully could have been. The losses in the family. The dignity with which all of these leaders in our community show. None of it extraordinary. It's life with losses and celebrations, all teaching us how to live our lives graciously and voraciously. And what a cool thing it is that we have such an amazing array of ages here. Children who remind us to not be self-conscious. Youth uh, who remind us to question everything. Young adults who remind us of the terror and the joy of new beginnings, of starting out in life on their own. Families who remind us that we are a community, in spite of how messy it is to be human. We can disagree, we can get grouchy, but we're still community and have each other's back. In our middle ages, we learn to take time to reevaluate our choices and make some course corrections if we think it's necessary. And they all teach us something, which is why it is so important that we gather on Sundays 
why we join smaller relationship groups to pause, to rest for a moment, to rest for a moment on what someone once called the forming edges of our life. To stand on the forming years of our lives at whatever age, to see the community, to see the commonality of our shared humanity. To timorously bring our fears, our joys, our pain, our dreams. To over time hold each other in our hearts and come alive to all our stories yet untold, and in so doing, we see ourselves reflected there and know that we are seen. Now, I'm not sure I would want to tempt the universe with a remote control. I'd like to say that I wouldn't fast-forward or rewind, because I could always hit the rewind button of my memory at any time. Maybe I would pause just now, just in this moment, to claim for myself and for each of us awareness and gratitude for all the days of our lives. We have so many memories to fall back on and the wisdom of others and all the years that wait for us. Just a moment of pause would be enough to take all this in. All of us here, look around and see how sacred we have made our community by our presence and in this moment, in each moment, to remember that that really is enough.